0: What's up, people? Welcome, there you go, yeah. Hey, uh, if this is your first time to Veritas, uh, as you can tell, we don't often do this. This is definitely not how we normally do things around here, but we started doing ScareToss last year, and we decided to up the ante a little bit and let you guys dress up, and I have no idea, uh, especially looking at you, how I'm gonna... Focus up here. Uh, good grief. Anyway, uh, I'm excited to be here with you guys tonight. Uh, Scaritas is fun for us. We'll talk about some things that we don't often talk about. Uh, we'll get to do some things later that we don't often do. Uh, but more than that, I'm just thankful to be here with you all. Another opportunity to talk about Jesus. Uh, and to get us started, uh, I just wanted to ask this question, actually a s- set of questions. If you knew, if you knew that burning sage in your dorm room, if you knew that burning sage in in your apartment or in your fraternity or sorority or wherever you live, if you knew that burning sage in wherever you live, if it could, it, it would help you get rid of negative energy. If you knew that burning sage would give you wisdom, would give you clarity, would you do it? What about astrology? Let's think about astrology for a second. If you knew that astrology, if you knew that things like horoscopes and zodiac signs, if you knew that somehow that could help you with relationship co- compatibility, finding a relationship, if you knew that, that astrology and horoscopes and zodiac signs, if you knew that that would help you determine whether or not that you have a connection with someone, would you buy into that? What if you could make things happen by manifesting them, right, right? What if you could like think hard enough, think long enough about certain things that that those things that you're thinking about, that you're wanting that that you're thinking about, what if those things if those things could happen, would you try it? Get a little darker here. If you could communicate with the dead. If you knew you could communicate with the dead, would you do it? What about a crystal? Right? If you knew that crystals could could help with your anxiety, if you knew that that holding a crystal or wearing a crystal could could balance your mind, could rid yourself of toxicity, maybe fight a hangover. Would you use one? I heard a yes. That's good. (laughs) Should have anticipated that. Here's the question though, right? These things, all of these things, if we knew that they worked, would we use them? Would we try them? Would we do them? If we knew that they worked, would we do? Maybe a different question. Should we? Should we burn sage? Should we manifest? Should we play around with horoscopes and astrology and crystals and seances and mediums and these kinds of things? Should we? Uh, Years ago, there was a college student connected to Veritas, uh, say, years ago, talking to a staff member. Staff member's no longer on staff, students gone, so there's nobody here, nobody on our current staff team, but was having a conversation at a coffee shop here in town, and he was telling this staff member that uh, recently his coworkers had started getting into crystals. So they would wear crystals uh, in certain settings. They would use crystals in meditation. Uh, They would place crystals on their bodies in different therapy-type settings, all for some of the reasons that we just mentioned. They they use crystals to help fight anxiety. They, They use crystals to help boost low energy, block bad energy, generally speaking, for promoting health and wellness and healing and these kinds of things. And, and the interesting thing, at least for the student, was, was that it seemed to work. So his coworkers were, were talking about these things and, and using these things and, and describing the effect that they were having on their lives. And, and it was just interesting to the student because he said, look, I, I'm listening to them talk about these things. I'm watching them. I'm working around them. I'm, I'm living life around, uh, around them. And, and these things that they're doing, it seems to work. And so his interest went a step further, and he started playing around with him himself. And as he was having this conversation with our staff member, staff member started asking some questions. He started asking some questions. Okay, tell me more about that. What are you doing it for? Why? What do you think it's doing? And it became quickly apparent that he wasn't that interested in actually thinking about answering those questions, because for him, it didn't make sense that those questions would be asked. He didn't see what the problem Why, why did it matter if it worked? What was, what, what was the issue if it actually helped? In other words, he was asking what's the big deal if it works? What's the big deal with, with doing these kinds of things if they work? What would you say? I think it's a good question. I think it's a really good question. What's the big deal with these kinds of things if they help? What's the big deal if they work? It's a great question. But here's the thing. Though it's a good question, I don't actually think that it's a question that we're asking a lot. And by we, I mean me, my generation, millennials, you, your generation, Gen Z. I don't often think that we think about that question because we just assume that if it works, it's okay. We just, we're kind of pragmatists at heart, right? If it works, it's okay. If it works, it must be good. Why wouldn't it be? It's interesting, and I know that I don't need to tell you this because you all have phones, you have the internet, you have social media, but these things are exploding right now in popularity in our culture. All of these things that we're talking about are, are growing in popularity. What used to be somewhat alternative and or weird is now increasingly mainstream. And the interesting thing about that is if you do any reading on any of this stuff, your generation in particular is driving the bus. Your generation, Gen Z's fascination with all of these kinds of things is driving the increased popularity in the United States with respect to these things. So back in 2019, uh, the, the U.S. alone, the mystical services market, uh, so I had no idea what that was. But think astrology, tarot cards, that kind of stuff, crystals, those kinds of things. In the United States alone, the mystical service market is estimated to be worth $2.1 billion. That's a few years ago. It's skyrocketed by now. Skyrocketed. Zodiac talk, we know this, right, is, is all over. I mean, apps like CoStar and Sanctuary, some of you probably have those apps on your phone, apps that have made astrology. They've made horoscopes. They've given us access to insights related to, to Zodiac signs. They've made these things far more accessible, far more mainstream, and here's the thing. We're increasingly interested in that. We're increasingly interested in checking those things out, increasingly intrigued, increasingly participating. So there's a study done by Fullscreen on Gen Z on these things, and they came up, they they found some things uh, like this. 43% of Gen Z would make a big life decision, big life decision, 43%, based on a horoscope and or a tarot card reading, 43%. Also this, over 25% said that horoscopes and astrology influence my purchasing decisions. 25% of Gen Z says that, that when I think about buying something, when I'm influenced to buy something, it has to do with astrology and horoscopes. One in three agree that in this time of instability in the world, I turn to astrology to make sense of things. Another study done says that in the United States, uh, adults between 18 and 29, 40% believe in the power of astrology at least a little. And so I think all of those things, I don't know if you glaze over when you hear statistics, at the very least, right, what those statistics I think do is they, they say these things are increasingly popular and they should force us to ask the question, why the rise? Why are they growing in popularity? Why are we increasingly interested in them? Why are we curious about these kinds of things? Lots of things that we could say. I found this quote, I thought it was pretty interesting. This is what it says. Gen Z insights, whatever that is. For a generation struggling to make sense of a politically and socially polarized world, astrology offers zeers, I've actually never heard you all referred to as zeers, but we're gonna go with it. Zeers, a natural route for navigating uncertain times. It also affords a system to help better understand themselves, others, and in turn, the world. Now, there's a lot that's interesting to me about this quote, but that last sentence here, it also affords a system to help better understand themselves, others, and in turn, the world. Man, that sounds a lot like religion, doesn't it? It's really interesting to me that that we're turning to astrology, so there's this phrase, maybe you've heard it, spiritual but not religious. Right, So there's this growing population in the United States that, that aren't religiously affi- affiliated. It's not that they're not spiritual. They want to be spiritual. They want the benefits of religion, but they don't want the baggage. They want the good that comes out of religion, whatever religion is, but, but they don't want the bad. And so they turn to things like astrology because it helps them understand themselves. It helps us understand others, the world. That's interesting to me. They, they were picking and choosing what we want based on what works, what works. If it, if it works, then what's the problem? If it works, then what's the big deal? That's what Adele said, actually, back in 2016, hard shift, right? That's what Adele said, though, back in 2016. She's coming out of, she's away from music for a while, She's uh, coming back, she's got a comeback tour, she's got a comeback show, and after the show, she does this interview, and it's pretty interesting, but she talks about how freaked out she was. She said she had never experienced this kind of stage fright, this kind of anxiety and stress. She said this, uh, uh, I was so nervous about my comeback show, I was panicking. I was out of practice, I was busy being a mom. I can't say mom, I've, I'm just not going, I'm a mom. I was busy being a mom. Right, so she's got kids, Right, she's hanging out with kids, she's away from music for a while, but, but she's coming back and she says she's freaking out. The interview, she, she goes on and on. She said, you know, I've, I've been doing this for so long, I've sang in front of thousands and thousands of people, but never have I experienced this kind of stage fright. Never have I had this kind of panic. Never have I had this kind of fear and insecurity and anxiety. And so what does she do? She turned to Crystal's. She turned to crystals, and this is what she says. She held a crystal, she said, it was the best show I've ever done. One of the best shows I've ever done, I held this bloody crystal in my hand. The entire show, that this comeback show, the beginning of her comeback tour, 2016, she holds a crystal her entire time to get over her stage fright, to get over her fear, to get over her anxiety, and, and, and it worked, apparently. So much so that she routinely still does it. She meditates before her concerts now. She, she said this, I thought this was funny. She said, I mean, I'm literally turning into a walking cliche, but I'm proud of it. If it means my shows are good, then I don't mind. If it means my shows are good, then, then I don't care. I'll hold anything, I'll do anything, I'll try anything. If it works, what's the problem? If it works, it must be okay. If it makes my show good, well, then I don't care. Manifesting, I mentioned this earlier. It's another one of these trends that's on the rise, right? If you don't know what manifesting is, that's all right, because it's kind of weird. But think this, manifesting is this idea that, that you can turn thoughts and intentions into reality by just thinking about them. So somehow we can turn our thoughts into reality through kind of sheer force of our mind. Or to say it another way, it's essentially this idea that positive thinking can bring us whatever we want. That if we think hard enough, if we think long enough about something, we can actually will things into our lives. We can bring things from our mental space into our physical reality. We can literally have our dreams come true, at least according to manifesting. Now, when, you, when we hear it like that, right, who doesn't, want, like, who doesn't want their dreams to come true, yeah? Of course we do. Maybe that's why over 15 million posts on Instagram alone on the idea, uh, on the topic of manifestation. On TikTok, over 22 billion, with a B, views on videos related to manifestation. Maybe most interesting to me, though, at least to me, is this increased rise in, this is gonna sound a little bit weird, but there's this enormous rise happening right now in the United States in modern-day witchcraft, Modern day witchcraft. So Wicca, Wicca just comes from the word witch, but you know, witch has a lot of baggage, and so we've come up with Wicca. Did you know that Wicca is among the fastest, one of the fastest growing religions in the United States? Wicca is one of the fastest growing religions in the United States right now. It's interesting, isn't it? Numbers are difficult to pin down, but in his 2015 book, Witches of America, Alex Maher, the author, he estimates that uh, pagan witches in the United States so this is 2015, are hovering around a million people. Now, maybe you're like, hey, that's, that's, that's a lot, but that's not a ton, but okay, so here's some context. 25 years earlier, so 1990, there was 8,000. So in 25 years, we will go from 8,000 to over a million, and who knows what the number is now? And so here's the question that I'm getting at. Maybe you're wondering, what are you doing, dude? Here's the question that I'm getting at. Why are all of these things trending? Why are all of these things growing? astrology, horoscopes, crystals, manifesting, magic, witchcraft, all of it's on the rise, why? Why is all of that stuff on the rise? Well again, I think it's for a lot of reasons. And to be honest, we can't talk about most of them. That's a conversation for a different day. But I wanna say at least this. I wanna say at least this. Part of why all of these things are not just trending but they're actually growing, they're becoming more and more mainstream. Part of why that's the case is because they're real and they really work. And what I mean by that is that there really is a power that these kinds of things have in our lives. There really is a power that that they can have when we engage them, when we practice them. Now, always without fail? Of course not. Don't hear what I'm not saying, right? Is it it sometimes a gimmick? Absolutely. Maybe even most of the time it's a gimmick. But every time? All the time? No, I don't think so. Sometimes it's very real. Sometimes it really works. But what does the Bible have to say? right? Because after all, that's what we're here for. We're not here for what Kyle thinks, but what does the Bible have to say about astrology? What does the Bible have to say about magic? What does the Bible have to say about witchcraft? All these. Maybe a way to summarize all that is by calling it the occult, right? That's a word maybe you've heard. The occult, it's just a broad term for the category of um, mystical, magical beliefs and all the practices associated with them. So what does the Bible... Have to say about the occult. Well, this is what it says, uh, particularly about astrology in Deuteronomy chapter four, verse nineteen. And when you, this is uh, God speaking to His people, when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has appointed to all the nations under heaven. And so what's interesting is that if you're familiar with the Bible, what the Bible teaches is that God created the sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxies and the universes and, and all that there is, God has created it with beauty and majesty and splendor and awe. And so for thousands and thousands of years, human beings have looked at these things and have been captivated by them. And rightfully so, they reflect their creator. The beauty of the sun and the moon and the stars reflect our beautiful creator. But it's interesting because the Bible warns us against worshiping these things. The Bible warns us against going to these kinds of things for some sort of supernatural power or or going to these things, using these things, stars and celestial bodies using these things as if there's some sort of hidden supernatural knowledge within them. But it also says things like this in, in Deuteronomy 18 Picking up in verse 10. So this is God speaking to his people again through a guy named Moses. He says, Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, casts spells, who's a medium, a spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. See, if you think that this is an odd list, like why is this in the Bible? The reason it's in the Bible is because this is what people are doing. See, in the ancient world, this kind of behavior, though it's probably bizarre to us, was relatively common. The nations surrounding God's people were frequently, often engaging in the occult practices, things like this, everything on this list, the nations around God's people were doing, and God says to his people, you are not to be like the nations. You are not to live like the nations. You are not to do like, think like the nations. He says these things are detestable to him. Another translation says abominable to him. Why? Why? See, the Bible, it speaks so strongly about things like the occult because not because that they're silly. It's not because they're, they're, they're just wishful thinking. It's not because it's foolishness. It's not because it's make-believe, but to the contrary, it's very real. See, one of the things that you're confronted with when you read the Bible, if, if you've read the Bible very much, one of the things you're quickly confronted with is that the Bible is not shy about the fact that there's a realness, that there's a real power that often comes along with the occult. But here's one thing to know. Here's one thing to know, that just because it works doesn't mean it's good. Just because it works doesn't mean it's good. So in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, so Acts is the first book after the four Gospels. The first four books of the New Testament are biographies of Jesus, and then we get to Acts, And Acts is just the story, the biography, if you will, of the early church. So Jesus has died, he's risen, he's ascended to heaven. And what you're left with is the early church, the early followers of Jesus. The message of Jesus is going out. It's spreading. More and more people are hearing about Jesus, who he is, what he did, what that means for their life. And as that happens, more and more people are believing in Jesus, submitting to Jesus, pledging allegiance to King Jesus, trusting and hoping and loving Jesus and it's interesting, as, as Paul and some other missionaries are going out and spreading the message of Jesus, uh, we read this in Acts 19, picking up in verse 18, we see this, also many of those who were believers, so this isn't believers in Jesus, this is people who were former believers in the occult, came, came to where Paul and these missionaries were, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. A book burning, a magic book burning in the Bible. It raises the question, why are they burning their books? Are, they, are these magicians, these former magicians, are they burning their books because they realized all of a sudden it was all a sham? Is it, is it because they realized that it was a fake or, or because they're finally having to be honest and say it's, it's been make-believe? No, it's just the opposite. They're bringing their books because they know that there's a, there's a real power to it, but something about Jesus, when they encounter Jesus, when they're confronted by Jesus and the message of Jesus, that message, it changes them. So much so that they turn away from their magic books and burn them and turn to Jesus. See, one of the really interesting things, particularly in the book of Acts, is that what you see about the spread of the early church, anywhere the message, everywhere, rather, the message of Jesus went, the occult was confronted. Everywhere the message of Jesus went, the occult was confronted. See, just because it works doesn't mean it's good. Just because it works doesn't mean it's good. So that college guy that I mentioned earlier, the one that was asking the staff member, hey, what's the big deal? Yes, I follow Jesus, but I also wanna use these crystals. I want the benefits, I want the power, I want the healing, I want the lack of less stress and anxiety, what's the big deal if it works? Well, part of the response to that guy is just because it works doesn't mean it's good. Or rather, just because it works doesn't mean you should. See, God makes it pretty clear God makes it pretty clear to us that with respect to the occult, we should stay away. So Paul writes in Galatians chapter five, he says this, he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. I mean, this this is a pretty intense list. Witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a pretty strong warning, isn't it? I mean, why is the Bible warning us so strongly? Well, I think that it's warning us, of course. It's telling us, sure, that we should stay away. We've established that we should stay away from these kinds of things. We've established, I think, at least a summary or so, that the Bible is not for, not in favor of, is against things of the occult, but we haven't really, I'm just being honest, I haven't really answered why yet. I haven't really answered the question, okay, I get that the Bible says no, but why, right? The little kid that wants to know, dad, why? Because I said, no, it's not that. But if it seems to work, why isn't it good? If it seems to help, then then why does God not permit us to engage, to practice things of The occult. Well, here's the reason. Here's the reason. It's because that this realness, that that real power, there is a real power. The Bible is comfortable admitting and acknowledging that there is a real power to these things. But here's the thing that power is very dark. That there is a darkness, a realness, but a darkness to that power. So two more stories, both from the book of Acts. Here is Acts 13. Paul and Barnabas, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer, a Jewish magician and false prophet named Bar-Jesus who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul, lots of names, keeps sick with it, because he wanted to hear the word of God. So the proconsul wants to hear the word of God, but Elimus, the sorcerer, the magician, same magician for that's what his name means, so this is magician Bar-Jesus guy, same guy, Elemis the sorcerer, opposed them, tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. So the magician gets in the way of the guy hearing the word of God. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, so Saul Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. He looks straight at Elemis the magician and says, Catch this, you are the child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kind of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. Is against you. See, what's interesting about this particular passage is that Paul connects the, the magician's magic, the sorcerer's magic. Who does he connect it to? Connects it to Satan. He connects it to the devil, right? Which we don't have time to get into. Again, another conversation for another day, but, 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 but the Bible teaches that, that the devil is the source of all darkness in the world. The devil is the source of all evil, all bad, all wrong, all not the way that it's supposed to be. The Bible is the ultimate source of all of those things. And Paul says, yes, the magic is real, but the source is the devil, In other words, this sorcerer has real magic power, but it's a dark demonic power. And what does that dark demonic power do? What does Paul say that that dark demonic power does? He says it deceives, it tricks, it perverts, what? The right ways of the Lord. You see, that's what darkness always does. It always tricks. It always deceives. It always perverts what God says. It always tricks us into thinking that what God says isn't what's right and that we know better. It always deceives us into thinking something wrong about God. It always perverts what God says is actually the good life so that we think we know better. That's what darkness loves to do in our lives. Last story, Acts 16. As Paul and Silas were going to the place, so different encounter, different people, Paul, same Paul, different guy, Silas. We're going to the place of prayer. We, they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So they were profiting off of her power, if you will. She followed Paul and us, crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. This, kept, this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So again, a different encounter, different day, but she really did have power. She really did have power to predict the future. She really could tell people secrets about their lives. But again, those predictive powers were very dark, right? I mean, in this case, literally, a demonic spirit is what gave her the ability to do these things. And so, why does the Bible, just to summarize, why does the Bible warn us against the occult? It's not just because we want to hate on fun, right? The Bible warns us about the occult because the Bible knows the occult has a realness to it, that there's a darkness to it. There's there's a real power and that power is dark and that dark power brings darkness into our lives, your life, my life, when we engage, when we mess around with it. And that darkness, that dark power, it's not good. Darkness controls, darkness manipulates, darkness enslaves. darkness deceives, darkness destroys what's right and good according to God. Now contrast that for a second, just for a second with Jesus and what Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 46. Jesus says, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Music team, you guys can come back. I have come into the world as a light, Jesus says, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. See, Jesus came to defeat darkness so that we, you and me, so that we could have life. his light, the light of life. See, the, the thrust of the Bible is that darkness destroys, but Jesus gives peace. Darkness destroys, but Jesus brings shalom. Jesus brings flourishing. Jesus doesn't control us. Jesus doesn't manipulate us. What does Jesus do? He offers to lead us. And I say offer, he doesn't force you. Jesus isn't forcing you to follow him. But he's inviting you to. He wants to lead you. And he says that if you're willing to follow him, he'll lead you to the life that you're looking for. He'll lead you to the life that you were created for. See, you don't need sage, right? You don't need a crystal. You don't need a horoscope. You don't need magic. You don't need manifestation. What you need, what I need, what all of us need, is Jesus. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I admit that there are many things in my life that I turn to other than you. And if anything, this, this conversation that we're having, it reminds me of the ways that I look to other things for all the things that only you can really give me. And so I pray for all of us here tonight that as we're interacting with these ideas that maybe we thought about, maybe we haven't, maybe we're a little bit confused why we're actually talking about them. But the reason we're talking about them is not just because Halloween's around the corner, but we're talking about them because... The Bible talks about them, that there's a realness to them, that there's a power to them, that they shouldn't be treated flippantly, that they shouldn't be a, a, a joke, that they shouldn't just be this you know, throwaway, silly, foolish thing that we sometimes do and sometimes think is trendy. Because there's a darkness to it. And you, Jesus, you don't want us to live in darkness. You want us to live in light. You want us to live in your light. That's why you came. You came to destroy darkness. Your power defeats darkness. Jesus, help us to believe that more and more. It's in your name we pray, amen.